This series has been a decade in the making. Uh, God has taken me many places in the last uh, 10 years and uh, taught me a lot uh, over those places I've lived. So this is basically a road trip uh, of my life the last 10 years uh, where God has taken me out of my comfort zone. And so that's what this message is uh, tonight about. And our first stop is uh, San Francisco, California. Uh, we have any Californians in here? All righty. God's from California. Uh, oh, we're going to dive right into Scripture, Genesis 12, 1 through 5. And uh, this is when God calls Abram, who later becomes Abraham, out of his comfort zone. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your family, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will, I will bring good to you. I will make your name great, so you will be honored. I will bring good to those who are good to you, and I will curse those who curse you. Good will come to all the families of the earth because of you. So Abram left as the Lord told him to do, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife, Sarai, now her name eventually becomes Sarah, as, and his brother's son, Lot, and all the things they had gathered, and the people who joined them in Haran, and they left to go to the land of Canaan. All right, so back to San Francisco. Um, I want to kind of paint a picture here. I am from Burton, Ohio. Most people don't know where that's from, so that's why I say Cleveland. Um, Burton, Ohio is very different than San Francisco, California. Um, you know, it was 2001. I was 23 years old. I just graduated college, and uh, uh, I went to Ashley University, and I went to Ohio State University. Go Buckeyes. We, got, we don't have any Wolverines in the house, do we? All right. Praise the Lord. Oh, we got one. We got one. Okay. Um, I'm praying for you. All right. But so, so I went to a university that was only like, you know, an hour and a half away. And everything was just was real, familiar, was, uh, real familiar to me. So I'm 23 years old, and I have, an, I have an opportunity to go to San Francisco, California, and work for a company called Crawford & Company, uh, managing workers' compensation claims. And uh, so, I, so I took that opportunity. I said, why not? I'm young, uh, I'm single, and, uh, and let's go for it. Well, Burton, Ohio has about 1,000 people that live in Burton. Actually, we're at, I think we're at 1,500 right now. There's been, a, just, there's been a surge of people that have just come in the last couple of years. San Francisco, California has over 800,000 people that live in that city. Burton, Ohio is kind of like Cheers. Everyone knows your name. San Francisco, California, no one cares about you at all. I mean, I remember walking down the street, like in the city, and I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm from the country, man, you know, and, and so you just say, say hi to everybody. So I'm saying hi to people, and like, no one is like, looks at me. No one even like responds to me. I mean, I think some people, I thought they were going to hurt me when I said hi to them. I'm like, this is just so weird, you know, I've not, not experienced this before. This is how, uh, this is how country we were. Um, when we were seniors in high school, we had tractor day, <laughs> where everyone that had a tractor rode it into school. 
It doesn't get much more country than that, all right? San Francisco has the Golden Gate Bridge. There's over 100,000 vehicles that drive across that bridge a day. 100,000. And it costs $5 to get across that bridge. That's a lot of money that that, that, that bridge, bridge is bringing in. Um, so I was definitely out of my comfort zone in San Francisco, California. We had uh, another picture there. We have the cable cars. Those are, those are, of course, that reminds people of San Francisco. I always think of rice-a-roni. <laughs> right in. Uh, in the background there, you have Alcatraz. Oh, go back. Then you, have, you, have, you have Alcatraz there. And uh, that, uh, that was open from uh, 1933 to 1963 and housed uh, some of America's most uh, notorious criminals. Al Capone uh, stayed there. Now it's actually a, a historic um, a historic landmark. We have another one. Of course, the architecture. What does that picture remind you of? Full house. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, next one, we have Hate Nashbury. Okay. I'm from Burton, Ohio. I have no clue. I've never heard of Hate Ashbury before. All right? I didn't know like the history behind it or, or anything. Um, for those of you that don't know, and I found out because I lived on Hate Street, um, that was the old hippie district, and really, really known for the you know the whole hippie movement. Uh, Janis Joplin lived there. Uh, Jerry Garcia. You know, I wasn't real familiar with with him. But I, 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 do, I did eat Ben and Jerry's Ch Cherry Garcia, which is really good if you guys haven't had that before. So, uh, so I think we actually have a picture of my apartment there. And uh, so you see that, that green apartment there? The, uh, the one to the far right, uh, there, t top far right, is, uh, is where is that? That was my apartment. There was four of us living there on 859 Haight Street, and we were paying 36 Hundred dollars a month, thirty-six hundred, and that was that was a little over ten years ago, you know, and uh, and there was nothing fancy about it. You know, we all had our, our you know we all had our, our own room, but you know, and we had a kitchen and, and and a couple bathrooms. I mean, that was it. I mean, that's like a mansion payment out here. And uh, so when I graduated college, I'm like, oh my, awesome man, I'm gonna have all this money. No, man, I was eating ramen noodles once again, I found myself. And, uh, and so I was, I was pretty broke. I had, a, uh, I had an F-150 long bed extended cab truck. And um, that was really fun, driving it and trying to park in San Francisco. I had a parallel park that thing. And um, I remember one night, I was, I was working late, and um, I, I usually had to park a couple blocks away. But one night I was, running, I was running late, and so I couldn't park in my usual spot. I literally had to park a mile away to where my apartment was. It took me, I had to walk 20 minutes just to get to my apartment. So I don't want to hear anyone complain that they got to park by the auto parts store <laughs> down here. But God, uh, so I was, I was out of my comfort zone, and God was about to take me even further out of my comfort zone. And he was about to call me into 
seminary, in a graduate school. Now, let me ask you a question. Think of, when, think of a time when you were out of your comfort zone. Maybe, maybe you put yourself there. Maybe God led you there. Maybe you were there for, you know, for just a season. Maybe you felt like you were there for, for several years. And do you, remember, do you remember that time? Do you remember what you felt during that time? Um, you know, what was going through your mind? So God was calling me into, into seminary only six months after I got there. Now, for those of you that don't know a whole lot about me, um, man, I just, I just struggled in school. I, w- I wasn't one of those guys that just, you know, school just came easy. I always had to work for my grades. I always had to work for my Ds and my Cs. And, um, and, I, and I even, I even quit, quit college for, for a little while. And uh, I just, I mean, I just, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and um, so, so when God was calling me into graduate school, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no way. There's no way I can do that. So let's go back to Abram right now. God sought Abram out, not vice versa. Abram came from a pagan home. And to our knowledge, he had no particular spiritual qualities which drew God to him. Abram is 75 years old, and God is taking him away from his family, from his lands, totally out of his comfort zone. And God sought Abram and saved him while he was going his own way. Does that sound familiar? That God sought you while you were going your own way. I mean, I thank God that he did. So we see in, 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 in this Genesis 12 passage, we see a sevenfold blessing. And I think we have that for you guys. These are the promises in that, in that verse that we read. That Abram, God would make Abram a great nation, that he would bless him, that he would make his name great, for that he would be a blessing, that he would bless those who blessed him, he would curse those who cursed him, and all the people on earth would be blessed because of Abram. That's a lot of blessings right there. I mean, that's a lot of promises that God is making in that passage. And then in the next chapter, in Genesis 13, 6, we don't have that on screen, but it says, God says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. I mean, you know, God didn't say, I'm going to, I'll make your offspring like the dust of your house. I mean, for some of us, that would be a lot, you know. But he's talking about the dust of the whole earth. That's how, that's, how, that's how much your offspring will be. So point one, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. It's not about what you can do. It's not. It's about what God can do through you for his glory. For his glory. If it was what, what you could do, then people would just look to you. And they say, wow, look at a, you know, look how what a great job they're doing. It's to point people to Jesus Christ. It's to point people to God. 
So a question I have, actually a couple questions, is what, pre- what prevents us from stepping out in faith? What are the things in our lives that prevent us from stepping out in faith? One of them, I think, is the past sins and failures. And even some of those that we still struggle with even after we've accepted Christ. I think some of us get hung up on our past failures and sins. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to talk a little bit about um, Abram. Now, there is a famine in the land, so Abram takes his family, and they go to Egypt, all right? And Abram goes to Sarai, Sarah, and he says, Sarah, you are a fine-looking woman. I mean, you, you got it all. But if they know that you're my wife, they're going to kill me. So because you're so fine-looking, let's, let's, let's just lie a little bit, and let's just say you're my sister. So Pharaoh takes Sarah as his wife. I mean, can you, can you imagine that? I mean, you're talking about not manning up right there. And um, so then Pharaoh's household starts to get sick, and he finds out about the lie that Abram told him. He said, and, and Pharaoh said, what are you doing? He said, take your family and just leave. So Abram leaves with his whole family, and, and, and he, he has gained all this wealth, and he goes, and he leaves. So then some years pass, and Abram's like, you know, I'm getting towards the century mark, and God promised me that I have a kid, um, and you're about 90, so, so Sarah goes to him and said, we're getting old. We're getting old. Why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar? And Abram probably thought about that for about five seconds and said, you know what? I'm going to take one for the team. I'll do it. I'll do it. Someone's got to do it. I'll do it. So... Abram sleeps with Hagar. He shouldn't know that that was a bad idea. I mean, her name was Hagar. I mean, how good looking should she have been in her name is Hagar? All right. But that's not, what, that's not where God's promise is going to come through. Abram had to learn that the God who called him would protect him and keep his promise. We as believers need to learn that the God who called us will protect us and will keep his promise. He will protect us and keep a promise. That's a word for someone here. And that God's grace is infinitely bigger than your biggest sin. God's grace is infinitely bigger than your biggest sin. I love that the Bible is so real. I'm, you know what? They could have left that part out where Abram lied about, you know, Sarah being his sister. And they could have left that part out where, where he slept with Hagar. But it's real. And that's just another, uh, another proof that the, va- that, the, that the Bible is real, is valid, it's genuine. Because it, it's, you, we think about all these great, great people of the faith, but we also read their mistakes as well. And it makes us see, man, that, you know, they're human just like, just like we are. 
Another thing that I think prevents us from stepping out in faith is pride. We like to be in control. We got any type A's in here? Uh, yeah, a couple of you. All right, and I know there's a lot more than that, but you're just, you know, you're prideful, so you don't want to raise your hand. Um, but pride, pride. When, when you step out in faith, that means you're no longer in control. And we don't like that because we'd like to be in control. And one of the things that pre- prevents people from being saved is pride because you have to humble yourself. You have to give up your life. You have to surrender your life to have life. Another thing that prevents us is reputation. Faith is a willingness to look foolish. Are you willing to risk your reputation for what God's calling you to do? Are you willing to risk your reputation? Some of you say one of the things that prevents you from stepping out in faith is saying, you know, I missed my opportunity. You know, Jeremy, I I just missed my opportunity. You know, I'm too old. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. I don't want to hear I'm too old. But here's the thing, that God is so good that even when you miss opportunities, he'll give you more. He'll give you more. Point number two. Oh, before I do that point, one more thing I want to say. That, thank God, our spiritual lives are ultimately dependent upon his faithfulness and not our faithfulness. Are you thankful for that? That our spiritual lives are dependent on his faithfulness and not ours? Point number two. You will never be ready to step out in faith. You'll never be ready. There will always be an excuse that you can come up with of why not step out in faith. Mark Batterson says, if you wait until you're ready, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. If you take the first step, God will reveal the second step. You know, I'm not much of a camper, but, uh, but when I have been, you know, you, when, you, when you think about a, when you're holding a lantern, how far can you see when you're holding a lantern, walking at night? You can't see very far, can you? You know, some of us want God to just shine the, the whole, like, deer light out. But how much faith does it take? It takes a lot more faith when all you can see is right here with, with what's before you. God doesn't want us to rely on the revelation. He wants us to rely on him. Are you, are you relying on the revelation that God you know, you want God to give you, or you, gonna, or you want to rely on him. Be obedient with what he has told you to do now. You don't have to worry about being obedient what he's going to tell you next month, just today, just this week. That's what you have to focus on. What about this? This one's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to sting. Sometimes failure to act can be a form of disobedience. You're like, whoa, hey, hey. You know, I, I can see what you're saying about, you know, not acting, not, not stepping out in faith. But now you're kind of, you're telling me that it could be an act of disobedience. Yes, it could. It could be. If God's telling you to do something, 
and you're not doing it, it's disobedient. I'll let that one simmer just a little bit. Madison also says, he says, I wonder if we're so afraid of doing the wrong thing that it keeps us from doing the right thing. Sometimes I think we use God's will as an excuse not to act. It's easy for us to say, well, just, you know, it wasn't God's will. And that may sound spiritual, but it can be used as a cop-out because you don't want to step out in faith. So back to San Francisco, it was decision time for me. <clears throat> I've been this company for six months. The branch was closing. I had a choice that I could either go to the Sacramento branch or I could go home back to Cleveland, Ohio, Burton, Ohio, and regroup um, and maybe even go to seminary. Now, I have not ever been good at foreign languages, ever, all right? Like, I studied in France for a summer, and I can't speak a lick of French. I did it so I'd have to take French three and four. I was able to get it done in, like, six weeks, so I'm like, sign me up, man. Um, But the thought of taking Greek and Hebrew, oh, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why there's a saying, it's all Greek to me, you know? And, um, and so I was sitting in a park one night, and I, I, had, I had a couple weeks to make a decision of what I was going to do. And so I'm sitting in this park in, uh, in San Francisco, and I'm just laying on a bench in the middle of the night, and I'm uh, just looking up at the stars, and I'm like, God, I have no clue what you want me to do. And... Um, I mean, I was just, I was, I, you know, I was 23 years old. I was, you know, I was away from everything familiar. And, and then I'm like, man, I'm just going to call my, my friend Phil, who happened to go to Asbury Seminary. And he wanted me to go to seminary. He kept, he kept on bugging me. I mean, he would talk to me like every couple months, say, man, you got to come. This is awesome. You're such an awesome environment. I'm learning so much. I'm growing. And so I, so I called him. And this is at night. I'll never forget it. I called him, and I'm like, I'm like, Phil, why are you going to seminary? You know, why, why are you there right now? Why are you at Asbury? And he said, Jeremy, there is nothing I can imagine doing, anything else than being in seminary right now and answering God's call to go to full-time ministry. And, man, I just started weeping. Like, I was crying so hard, I couldn't even, like, talk. And, and I, it must have gone on for, like, a minute and a half. And I'm just, I know it surprises you that I, that I cry. I know, you guys haven't seen me that, do that before. But I was just weeping, man. And all of a sudden, just like that, God gave me a peace and said, that's where you're going. Just like that. And, and I, man, it was a total God thing because... You guys don't realize how intimidated I was at grad school and then thinking about taking foreign languages and, and all of a sudden God was just like, if I called you, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to take care of you. And so three months later, I stepped foot on Asbury uh, Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, right outside of Lexington. And I was 
uh, I was a full-time grad student, man. And I'm so glad that I did that. And I think about how he, you know, what I said earlier, the point before, that, that God, uh, that he qualifies the called. And man, he, he's done that. He's done that. I can't, I, can't, I can't take credit for that. So if I wouldn't have gone to seminary, I probably, I, I would not have ever pastored a church in New Mexico where, and I would never have met my beautiful bride, Sabrina. I never would have gotten an opportunity to pastor a church in Dallas, Texas. And we probably, I probably would never have come to North Carolina. I would never would have found the bridge. So I want to say that if you're going to play it safe, then you're probably going to miss opportunities in your life if you want to play it safe. But God is so good that he's going to give you more opportunities, but they're not necessarily going to be the same opportunities. Some opportunities you might get one time. Point number three, God reminds you when you become wary. So 25 years, nearly 25 years pass. And let's take a look at Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a special dream, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your safe place. Your reward will be very great. Then Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? He took him outside and said, Now look up into the heavens and add up the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, Your children and your children's children will be as many as the stars. Then Abram believed in the Lord, and that made him right with God. I love that where he talks about God reminds him that I'm your safe place. And then he reminds him once again of his promises. Christian faith grows through time and through testing. Your Christian faith will grow through time and testing. You say, okay, the, the point is God reminds you when you become wary. God reminds you of what? God reminds you of who he is. God reminds you that he is a God that keeps his promises. God is a God that reminds you that he's all, there's never been a time that he's never existed. He has always existed. And, and his promises are true. Point number four. Go until you get a no. Go until you get a no. Man, I've, I've, I have walked by this the last 10 years, and I'm so glad I have. Faith is not faith until it is acted upon. Faith is not faith until it is acted on. You can talk about, hey, I have faith, but if, but if you're just standing still and, and you're not acting upon it, there's just words. They're just words. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith and hope go hand in hand. Faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That's faith. That you believe it's going to happen. Hebrews 11.6 says, 
Without faith, it is what to please God? It is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11a, I think we got that verse. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He went even though he did not know where he was going. Next one. Because of faith, also, Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it. This is so important. This is why it's highlighted. Because she considered God, who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. What about you? Do you believe that God is reliable, trustworthy, and true to his word? Because if you don't, that is what faith is all about. It's not, it's not faith in, in something. It's faith in him. That he is reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. I mean, I mean that's, when you think of someone that has integrity and character, I mean, one of the things I think about is someone that, is, that stands by their word. That's what God does. He stands by his word. Abraham left behind all that afforded him security in life. He trusted God to provide him a better inheritance. Now, I'm not, you know, there's some people in here that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never come to that saving faith. They've never, they've never surrendered their hearts. I want to tell you, if that's you tonight, that God has something better for you than what you're trying to find through the things of the world, through people, through material possessions. I mean, I know you feel empty right now. I know. Because I've been there. And God wants to say, I have something better for you. Will you surrender? Will you humble yourself? Will you admit that, that you have sin in your life and, and, and that I, I, can, I can come and take that away? Until you realize that you're a sinner, you don't, you don't realize your need for a Savior. You think you're, you think you're fine. But we all have sinned. We all have sinned. God has a, something better for you, a better inheritance than anything that anyone else could ever offer. I love one preacher said, he said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I love that. Simple and sweet. Now, God can give you specifics sometimes of, of what he wants you to do. He can give you specific instructions. But that is not the norm. That is not the norm. Do you delight in the Lord? Is what you're going to do, is it going to honor God? What, is God? what does God's word say about that? Whatever, whatever that step of faith is, what does God's word say? And maybe he doesn't lay it out, you know, word by word. But what does God's word say about what you're going to do? Are you spending time in prayer? 
You know, if, if you've accepted Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, who is God's very presence that lives inside of you, and he wants to guide you. And he, and he, wants, he wants to guide you in, in the direction that you need to go, so you need to spend time in prayer. What, what about those that are committed followers in your life? What are they saying? Are they confirming what, what, you're, what you're thinking about doing, the action, that, that, that step of faith that you're thinking about doing? And I said committed Christians because a lot of people want to give you their advice. But are they praying for you? I mean, when I told people I was going to seminary, almost every single person said, yeah, I knew. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. I'm like, why don't you tell me? But it was confirmed by them. It was confirmed by them. We were never meant to discern God's will in isolation. We were never meant to discern God's will in isolation. That's why it's so important for you to be a part of a church family. Not just to have the love and support, but when, when there comes a time where you need to make a decision, you need a church family surrounding you, supporting you in whatever, whatever that is. What about your passion? Are you passionate for this thing? I mean, do you come on fire when you think about doing this thing? And are you willing, are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to persevere when times get hard if you take this step of faith? Because it's not going to be easy. I mean, if it was easy, we would just depend on ourselves. But God wants you to depend on him. So if you're going to take this step of faith, are you willing to take the steps and persevere when the fire gets hot, when it's difficult? Now, my spiritual gift, one of my spiritual gifts is faith. And one of my wife's spiritual gifts is faith as well. And so that's pretty cool. So I think about the last 10 years of our lives, and man, we, we have stepped out in faith so many times. I mean, I, when, I, when we, we were started attending the bridge over four years ago, and, um, and I met with Pastor Farrell and... Uh, just another crazy story about how I came on staff here. But, 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 but they offered me a part-time position here at the bridge as a campus pastor. And I had full-time jobs waiting for me. I had, I had three full-time jobs waiting for me. And I was offered a part-time position here. And, uh, and so and Pastor Farrell, he said, he said, I want to give you some time to think about it. And uh, I think about a week or so passed, went by, and I don't think he thought I was going to take it. And I said, I'm in. And, uh, and man, within a year, I, I came full time. But that was a step of faith. It was a step of faith. So I say all that to say one of my spiritual gifts is faith. So if you're thinking about doing something, and all these line up, that, that you're delighting in the Lord, that, 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 this, that this decision is going to honor God, that it matches his word, you've been in prayer, it's been confirmed by other Christians, that you're passionate about it, and you're, you're willing to do whatever it takes it, with, with wisdom to, to make it see it happen, then I'm going to tell you to go for it. So just be ready. If you come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I want you to pray for this, and all that lines up, I say, go for it. What are you waiting for? Do it. Do it. Just want to let you know. Give you a heads up. It's kind of quiet in here. I'm almost done. I mean it. 
I said, Mitch, I told Mitchell, if, if I go longer than 50 minutes, I have to buy him lunch next week. When you want what God wants for the reason God wants it, you are unstoppable for the glory of God. Ferg said that. When you want what God wants for the reason God wants it, you are unstoppable for the glory of God. Dude, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. Go forth. Go forth. In Genesis 12, 7, we didn't read this passage. We stopped before that. But God told Abram, he said, I will give this land to your children and to your children's children. Abram, Abraham, would never step foot in the land of Canaan, of the promised land, before he died on this side of heaven. He would never step foot in that land. But his children would, and his children's children would as well. So what I want to say about that is your obedience will bless future generations. Your obedience, and when you step out of faith, God will bless that, and he will bless your kids, and he will bless your grandkids, and so forth. How awesome is that? It's not just about you. I mean, I want my kids to receive all of God's blessings, 10 times fold than what I ever had. But some of that depends on me. And, and if I'm going to be obedient, and, if, and I'm going to step out in faith. And when you step out in faith, and when you get out of your comfort zone, and you trust God, what that does is that encourages others to do the same thing, especially those that are closest to you. Your kids are watching you. And they're seeing, they, 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 they notice when you play it safe. And they notice when you step out in faith. And your grandkids are going to notice that. And so forth. Point five. Do you want the reward more than the relationship? Do you want the reward more than relationship? Oswald Chambers, you know i got to quote Oswald Chambers. i do it every sermon. He said, the most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship that we maintain. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain. When our dream is that one thing we have to have, it's a good sign that the dream is misplaced. When we need a personal dream to be fulfilled, it's a good sign that it won't be fulfilling. Our dreams steal joy when they become an idol that we look to and say, tell me who I am. Our dreams steal joy when we value their fulfillment more than relationships and more than our relationship with God. If you are so driven about having something in your life that it's preventing you from focusing on the relationships God has given you and most importantly, his relationship with you, then that's an idol in your life. So how do, you, how do you identify an idol? Well, does it consume your thoughts? Does it consume your thoughts? Do you just think about it all the time? Does, is, is, it, is, it, is it like the one thing that gives you identity? 
And is it preventing you from enjoying your current blessings that God has given you in your life? If those things are happening, then that's an idol in your life. And you need to repent. And you need to ask God for forgiveness. What if the process is the point? You know, we're so, so concerned about the end game. About, you know, whatever it is. But what if the process is the point? What if the process is just, if not more important than whatever it is that you get or obtain in your life? When God is leading, no stop along the path is irrelevant or without purpose. There's no wasted experience in your life, good or bad. God can take it all. He can use it all. Now, this is kind of a sub-point but I feel like I need to say it. Stepping out in faith can also mean staying put. Stepping out in faith can also mean staying put. The hardest thing to do sometimes is to stand still and wait. You know, I don't know, whatever that is in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe, maybe there needs to be forgiveness you know, you say, oh, God, I want to step out in faith and I'm going to just walk away. God wants you to stay. And he wants you to extend forgiveness. You say, well, I can't forgive, I can't forgive give, give him or her all they have done. God says if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. I mean, it's, it's plain and simple. And I'm glad God doesn't, isn't, isn't that way with us where, where, where he holds grudges. Because he'd have a whole lot to hold on us, I know. You know, if it was easy, would it really be worth it? If it was easy, would it really be worth it? Let me recap here. Point one, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Point two, you will never be ready. You will always find an excuse. Point three, God reminds you when you become wary. God reminds you of who he is and that he is faithful, and he will keep his promises. Point four, go until you get a no. Go until you get a no. There's been many times in the last 10 years where I said, God, you know, I don't know what you're doing here. You know, I have this opportunity, and I don't, tell, I don't hear you telling me no, so I'm just going to step out in faith, and I'm going to take one step at a time, and if you don't want it, put the brakes on it. Make everything come to a halt if you don't want it. And I've done that time and time and time again in these last 10 years, and God has blessed that. He's blessed that. And last point, do you want the reward more than the relationship? Do you want the reward more than the relationship? We were designed by God for God, and until we connect with that purpose, we will never be satisfied. Until you have a a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care if you've been going to church for years until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a saving relationship. You will never be satisfied. You will always have that void in your life. And Jesus is the only one that can, that can fill that. And he's the only one that can give you meaning and purpose. Life is too short to stay out of your comfort zone. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. This is what I want to do right now. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a visual person. And so what we're going to do right now 
It's 8.05. That's pretty good. <laughs> what, what the usher's going to come right down, and they're going to they're gonna hand you guys a, a, a Post-it stack. I want you to just take one Post-it note, and I want you to just pass it down. And uh, you got pens in your seats. If you don't have a pen, some of you guys sitting here, you can just turn around and get a pen behind you. This is what I want you to do. It's one thing to, you know, pray about something and maybe even talk to others about maybe that step of faith. What I want you to do is I want you to write maybe that one thing that God has put on your heart right now. Maybe, maybe, it's, been, maybe it's been on your heart for years. Maybe it's just been recently. And I want you to write down that one thing that, that you believe God is asking you to step out in faith in. And uh, I don't want you to put your name on it. I just want you to put that one thing. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. And then um, I'm going to dismiss you guys. What I want you to do with that thing, if you're comfortable, I want you to just, when you leave, I want you to just put it on that wall. And what I'm going to do this coming week is I'm going to pray over every single one of those. And if it takes me several hours, then great. And, uh, and I just want to pray over every single one of those. Because I believe that God is calling every single person in this room to trust him like you've never trusted him before and to step out in faith like you've never have before. And I believe that God is calling the bridge and I believe he's calling the bridge Goldsboro to step out in faith like we've never had before and do stuff that people are like, man, that's just crazy. And that we're willing to risk our reputation so one more person can be saved. So I want you to write that thing right now. Let me just give you, I'll just give you, uh, you know, about 10, 15 seconds to write that thing down. And I want you to hold that in your hand. And I want us to pray right now. God, I want to thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for your goodness to us. I want to thank you, God, that you are someone who keeps his promises. And you stand by your word. And God, I lift up every single post-it note to you right now. And maybe, maybe this, maybe whatever that is that that person's holding, it's been years, it's been a decade in the making. Maybe it's just been in the last week or last month. But God, we can't step out in faith. We don't want to step out in faith without you. And we need you. And I pray that, that people would do whatever it is that you're calling them to do if it matches up with your word, if it glorifies you and honors you, if it's confirmed by, by, by other believers, it's, if, if you've given them a, a peace about it, Lord, even, even if they're scared. I was scared, Lord, and so many times, but I stepped out in faith and you blessed it. God, we're never gonna be ready. We'll never be ready. And you wanna remind us who you are God, I pray that we would go to you, say no. And God, we want you more than whatever this is. We want, we want our relationship to be closer to you 
And if we never get this thing, but, but if we have an intimate relationship with you, then that's the most important, God. But there's some people here tonight that don't know you. And God, t- tomorrow is never promised. Tonight might be their last night. And I don't want to put fear into people. I'm just, I'm just saying reality. That, that if someone is here tonight that doesn't know you as, as Lord and Savior, that, that all they got to say is, 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 God, I don't understand all this, but I've been trying to live my life on my own strength, and I'm miserable, and I'm empty, and, and, and I don't understand all who, who you are, but I, but I trust you. And I see the sin in my life, and I know that I need forgiveness. And I need restoration. So I ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of my sins. And I would, I would make you Lord and Savior, that you would, you would be the king. You would be the king of my castle, Lord. You would be, be the king that sits on the throne. And I'm tired of running from you. And I surrender my life. If that's you, if, if you've made a first-time decision or rededication with all eyes closed, I just want you to slip your hand up saying, that's me. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Anyone else? Don't walk out without knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Anyone else that, that, that wants to proclaim Jesus as Lord of their life? God, I thank you for this message. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I believe you're going to move in a mighty way this weekend even. Even this weekend. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.